perfection. Welcome to Last Refuge of the Incompetent. I'm Gall. I'm Moses. I'm Ted. This week's episode is drag and how it crosses paths with sci-fi or speculative fiction. And we have a special guest. Say hi, special Hello. guest. Hi. Hello. My name is Kyle. <laughs> hi. <laughs> Woo. Welcome to the show. Kyle and I and some other people all play D&D together. And Kyle has a really weird character named Zalista, who's, what is she? A tyf- tyf- tiefling? Say a that tiefling uh, warlock of the undying. And cool. she's kind yes. of a creep, and she's got secrets. She's burying stuff in the backyard. <laughs> she definitely <laughs> has some, some secrets that, yeah, will hopefully be uncovered sometime soon within the campaign. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Kyle is also a drag performer. You know, if we're doing a drag theme, we should have someone that can talk about drag for us. And I thought maybe it'd be nice for you to tell us a little bit about your drag in particular and how it fits into the wider world of drag. My drag character, her name is Zelda. It uh, starts with an X, so X-E-L-D-A, because I wanted to be Princess Zelda when I was a kid, because that's my favorite game. So mm, I nice. figured, why not, why not uh, <laughs> try to do that in, with drag? I started, I lived in LA for a little bit, so I started out there. And then when I moved to New York, where I am now, in Brooklyn, kind of been following it. I've been taking a little break because of, you know, COVID, all that stuff going on. My main inspirations for drag are kind of like video game characters, anime, sci-fi fantasy horror movies those are like my main inspirations and i kind of gravitate towards like the female antagonists those are kind of like my main inspirations like rita rita repulsa from power interest was like my favorite <laughs> oh, yeah. of all time growing up so <laughs> yeah. that's kind of what i look for when, when i am looking at my drag inspiration i actually I uh i rewatched the uh, first power rangers movie this week uh, <laughs> Why, Ted? The Mighty Morphin one? It, yeah, yeah. It was, oh, was on schedule. But um, yeah, Rita Repulse was only in it for like a minute or two, but very powerful energy. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not the original Japanese Rita Repulsa. It's like a Filipina uh, Australian actress, but she kills it in her <laughs> yeah, brief moment different. on screen. But Ivan Ooze is very much a drag character in itself. Yeah, so. he, yeah, he's yeah. like a he's almost like a vaudevillian kind of um, yeah. character. He's so big, it's incredible. Yeah, it's definitely the best part of that movie. Man, yeah, I remember I, that was I think the first movie I saw a, a, like on my own alone because nobody wanted to see it with me. <laughs> uh, and I was just, I don't know how old I was, 12, 13, something. Younger, probably. I'm not going to give myself any excuses. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, also, it was, I think it was also the first movie I saw in just a completely empty theater. <laughs> like, really, nobody else wanted to see it. But I saw that movie in theaters. Haven't seen Great it since, movie. but I guess I should, yeah. yeah. I watched it over quarantine, actually, yeah, so not too long ago. <laughs> I was thinking, I, I used to go to like a lot of drag performances and 
watch a lot of drag competition shows. And there's not that many. I mean, if you get rid of the whole Dragula world, it feels like sci-fi lends itself to like a really good medium for drag. And there's probably tons of nerdy boys that grow up to be nerdy men that would want to be drag queens, right? And but like I don't, I like don't see it as much as I would expect to see it. I feel like now it's becoming a much more of a thing as far as uh, the nerdy men wanting to kind of create their fantasies from childhood of being mm-hmm. like the crazy female villains or whatever they saw on TV. But I feel like in the early '90s and 2000s, drag was much more like trying to be as feminine as possible kind of like the term passing which is not a great term but like that's kind of what they were trying to yeah so now it's becoming more acceptable to kind of do more of the crazy far out stuff that you really want to do deepest pool of deepest blue shall swim to you morning never waits for you shall wait for you Hey there, everybody. It's Gall again. As always, interrupting to remind you that if you would like to listen to the episode without all the music edited out, then why don't you go to our website, lastrefugepod.com, and it tells you all the neat ways that you can listen to all the music that we talk about that we can't play on a podcast for legal reasons. And if you don't care, please enjoy wonderful sounds of Focus Bird. music and i wrote down a whole bunch of stuff and kyle gave some suggestions as well for possible music uh kyle i texted you this we we speculate upon what music might be played but ted is the (laughs) hand of god in this whole situation so these are these are all good picks and i think they're all gonna actually make it in so uh if you want to say what they are i'm (laughs) pretty sure i can guarantee you that the audience will actually hear them well, nice. so there's so both the movies we watched, we watched Vegas in Space and a film called Dorian Gray and the Mirror of the Yellow Press. Yellow Press translation in the and they both have music in them. Vegas in Space, in particular, is made by San Francisco drag queens from the late '80s. There's like some original music that was written for it. It's not great, <laughs> but it's, I, it was a blast. Some of the songs are yeah, some songs are better than others. <laughs> Also, I was thinking, because Dorian Gray is kind of like this whole idea of, of female to male drag, so drag kings, and and this whole idea, it's not actually, not necessarily about androgyny, it's literally a woman that plays a male character, does man drag. Um, so I was thinking of, like, people like Janelle Monet and Christina and the Queens. Janelle Monet has this, like, you know, whole sci-fi aesthetic to her. Arc android and dirty computer, and then she has, like, a very, uh, you know, male androgynous aesthetic to her. And then Christina and the Queen has an entire alter ego called Chris, an album called Chris. They all give off some real Dorian Gray vibes. 
And then I was also thinking if we're going in the direction of just women wearing suits and like <laughs> weird space aliens, then I was thinking about Laurie Anderson. And then Kyle, you had some suggestions as well. I think like Klaus Nomi is definitely, if you're going to talk about some drag, like he wasn't upfront drag, but like his performances and music videos are very drag. Divine, of course, is like, I think, I mean, all Divine songs pretty much sound the same. <laughs> They're the same like disco beat over and over again, but... Divine is, you know, classic, classic queen, great, great queen from the 80s. So, and then I think Grace Jones is not technically a drag, but they are. They, they yeah. do. They, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, just like pull up to the bumper. Oh, in that yeah. vein, I was also thinking of Sylvester. Probably also put some uh, Dorian Electra in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dorian Electra's new album is really, really great. That's what you're going to hear, audience. Get ready. Right <laughs> <Yes. laughs> So I mentioned it earlier, but I do think that sci-fi and speculative fiction lends itself really well to drag. I had some like thoughts around it before we go into the actual things we were going to talk about. Because like, why did we pick drag? I mean, a lot of the other themes that we pick are very like straightforward as to like, oh, we're talking about religion and sci-fi or whatever. But I don't know. I just thought, I mean, it is in itself a, a form of speculative fiction to like embody this character that you're creating. And, you know, it's all about examining gender roles and... The costuming and the makeup and the camp and the horror, they all kind of go together. I saw last year a a drag production of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode, which they do every every year. And last year it was um, the musical episode. And yeah, it was, it was a blast. And, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, great show. But yeah, it has plenty of cheesy elements that it definitely leans into. And the drag performance of it was just, get it gets to lean into them even harder. So let's uh let's let's dive into <laughs> Vegas and space, people. Yeah, now that leans in. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does. It's a 1991 science fiction comedy film written by Philip R. Ford and stars some pretty classic San Francisco drag queens: Doris Fish, Tippy, Miss X, Ramona Fisher, and then Lori Nasland, who's not a drag queen, but they all kind of were in that same world. I mean, another <laughs> thing to point out about. Um... Vegas in Space is that it's a trauma film. Trauma films being a like a long running B movie production house and distribution company. The Toxic Avenger, Surf Nazis Must Die, uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. <laughs> the Apple was that trauma? No, it wasn't. No, that's uh, Golan Globus. Oh, that's Canon. right, Golan Globus. Um, no, from uh, uh, two guys from New Jersey. What is what was the plot of Vegas in Space? Some astronauts. <laughs> have to go visit a planet full of women but it's really just a drag a planet drag women and they're uh, real women moses how dare you <laughs> but it's a, it's a plot point of the film anyway <laughs> this is the, i'm not the one making the distinction they're the one making the distinction <laughs> anyway that so but the astronauts the fictional character astronauts are all men so first they have to take sex change pills which has happened magically and so that's a great scene then there's some weird intrigue on the planet it's very clearly shot in someone's apartment and it's it amazing. is shot in some it's of the so, apartment. Yeah. It is. It's, you can, I mean, you can tell in every scene, but also you can tell how much work they put into that. And that's, <laughs> it's great. Oh, also, you're set up for the whole movie in the opening credits by, you know, based on a party by. And that's what it feels like. It feels like you're at a party the whole time. And they just really went all out on these decorations. 
Yeah, the very the opening scene feels very much like a tribute to the beginning of Barbarella, where the president yeah. of Earth talks to them, only this time it's like the queen of Earth. She sends them to a planet that only women are allowed to go to, which I don't think we're going to name on the radio. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't uh, let me so- make my joke last week, so we're not naming it. <laughs> it's a medical term. Uh, of the yeah, human because of physi- that. Physiology. <laughs> it's not a slur. It's not a, a culture at, at all. FTC. Come um, at us. Or FCC. But yeah, so that's why they have What's to take What's FTC? The Trade Commission? Yeah, I don't think we have no business you know with the Federal Trade Commission. Bring it on, yeah. SEC. You have no jurisdiction here. Um, but uh, yeah, that's so that's why they have to take these pills that change their gender. But one of them is like, I think I should take two. And the captain goes, hmm, I don't know. Okay. And then they die. Because yeah. they took- <laughs> they disappear. Like, <laughs> like so there was no I, protocol for that. <laughs> I know. I was I, waiting so, for them to reappear sometime later in the film, but no, it's just like no, they just died immediately. <laughs> Not a very good commanding officer, I have to say. <laughs> the the director Philip R. Ford has a really good in depth blog spot that I'll post to on our website and it's really worth it it's like an oral history with really great pictures and videos of the making of the film and he talks about that he's like yeah that guy like he just didn't feel like he should he hadn't been doing a lot of drag so he was like I gotta be written out of this film so that's why he did it. <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> nope you gotta go <laughs> my one of there's some really good quotes and it's in that blog spot and the one of my favorites is at the time doris was making a good living as a call boy on more than one occasion we'd be having a production meeting in the kitchen at her flat the doorbell would ring doris would disappear for 20 minutes and then return with a check for me to put into the production account it was only later doris was to quip no one ever told me you couldn't make a feature film on a prostitute's salary. <laughs> he says the address of this apartment that they filmed it all in, and it's 422 Oak Street in California. And I looked up 422 Oak Street in California in Zillow, and just because I was curious, it's in the Hayes Valley. And it is now, if you were renting that apartment, would be about $5,000 a month. I think it's like a one bedroom. Couldn't make Vegas in space there these days. <laughs> you <Nope>. could not. <laughs> Nowhere <laughs> in San Francisco. I thought it was a really good movie. Yeah, it's it's very funny. There are so many good line readings. Um, yeah, so many good little one-liners going on. Mm-hmm. I built my own detention center and called myself the queen of police. Nobody said a word. Now I'm very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was just a bad dream sequence. That was a good. Uh... That was that was my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> it was just a bad dream sequence. <laughs> so stupid. Or um, an oasis of glamour in a universe of mediocrity. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah. yes, yeah. And the, the character who briefly appears, like driving in in a little UFO. Like, that performance is just completely off the rails. Oh, yeah. My favorite <laughs> character in the whole movie. <laughs> and there's also, like, like the, the Martian who's just, like, acting like a toddler. And, like, who crashes into her. Yeah. that's yeah. The, And it's pretty early on the film. That's when I'm first like, am I losing my mind? It's my new favorite movie, by the way. It's so yeah. good. That's it's awesome. streaming on Amazon, by the way, oh, if anybody. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Vegas and Space, people, check it out. <laughs> There's also a, a moment in the middle of the film, which is not connected to anything, where 
I think it's the Queen of Police introduces the main, like, the captain to the fact that the Vegas in Space has a color dial, and it would actually be t- totally, like, black and white if they didn't turn the color dial up, which felt yeah. a little bit, uh, like, Futurological Congress. Just a little oh. bit. Yeah. In a, you know, in a really zany, completely unrelated to anything way. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. So... The, in the director's, like, oral history, he's like, yeah, we watched a bunch of movies and basically stole from them. Like, we're not, this is, we're not <laughs> pretending, like, this isn't Barbarella or this isn't <laughs> some of the movies that we're actually going to be watching next week in our camp episode. <laughs> Doris Fish, who's the main character, she, she wrote the script, she designed all the sets, all the costumes, all the makeup and hair, all the miniatures. There's a whole bunch of miniatures, which I thought was, like... I think the best mm-hmm. part of the movie is great. Yeah, and it took them, they shot over a two-year period, but the whole thing took like eight years to make as far as like editing yeah. and sound and all that stuff afterward. And then Doris actually, and one of the other actors, they passed away yeah. right before the movie premiered. Oh, there's a there's a really interesting part in his, this guy's oral history. Like halfway through this this long oral history, he's like, "It was at that point that I started using uppers." And <laughs> just like, <laughs> like, how are you going to finish Vegas in Space on an eight year project? <laughs> he said that like the whole cast was doing it, and they had to budget it into his um into the movie budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they're all creative they're, accounting. They're all taking beauty pills as, as part of the plot. I think that may be how that got worked in. <laughs> <laughs> Those are not placebos. <laughs> so then the second, I don't want to say feature length because this movie is two and a half hours long. And <laughs> feature, feature plus. <laughs> <laughs> the, the second film we watched, which Kyle, if you didn't finish, I would not fault you for it. Although it is a beautiful movie, it it is. So I mean, it's long. a film that also just contains an opera. Yeah, it's uh, Dorian I love Gray. The, op- the opera part. Yeah, yeah, it's it beautiful. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> Dorian Gray in the Mirror of the Yellow Press, and it's a 1984 West German, New German avant-garde cinema film directed by Ulrike Ottinger. And so she's like in the same kind of contemporary of Fassbender and Herzog, but she's She's supposed to be the the like only the big woman that came out of that movement. She's a lesbian fastbender. Yeah, basically. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is just because I only I only have so many lenses to look at movies through, but uh, some Jodorowsky vibes. The opera bits felt like somewhere between Jodorowsky yeah. and like Bunuel. I mean, it's a really beautiful movie, and there are some really really funny move- moments too in it. But I had to watch it over the course of a day because. I couldn't just sit for two and a half hours and watch it. It wasn't. And also, you know, it's in German or it's in a lot of different languages, but it's mostly in German. And so you're, I don't know German. So I had to <laughs> read the screen. <laughs> Kyle, what do you think? What, <laughs> what was your impression? Yeah, it took me like three days to get through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I loved the opera moments for sure. And like the, the fashion, the sets that they were doing were amazing. I love how like movies from that time, their idea of futurism is just covering things in like chrome (laughs) (laughs) i love that (laughs) and like the barbed wire tvs like (laughs) was that necessary i mean yeah (laughs) obviously (laughs) 
I think my favorite set was the um, the newspaper room where they where they're having that yeah. cocktail party. It was just beautiful. I mean, you can tell that this this is an art film. How are they funding these movies? Is my question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this one was not filmed in an apartment. This is full no. scale. <laughs> It's beautiful. <laughs> that scene is both kind of beautiful and just like a funny visual joke. It's this soiree put on by this association of tabloid newspapers that <laughs> are like secretly controlling Dorian Gray's life. And so well, it's the newspaper ball. So, of course, there's just newspapers all on the wall, like a more surreal, jokey version of like last year at Marion Bad almost. It has mm. that kind of feeling. <laughs> But yeah, there's definitely like a lot of different like moods and tones that are in the film from scene to scene, which makes it a more enjoyable two and a half hours. Well, I had never, I was reading about, there's not that much information about this movie out there on no. the internet. So I was reading as what I, whatever I could, there was like, welcome to Swarthmore's Femme Lit class. And it was like, here's, here's, a, here's like a small thesis someone wrote. And I guess she's known for like really long meandering surreal scenes that then just like switch tone to another scene pretty quickly. And I also was trying to find like a good synopsis, which... it's almost impossible and this is literally what imd imdb synopsis is our organization will create a human being whom we can shape and manipulate according to our needs dorian gray young rich and handsome we will make him seduce him and break him (laughs) i mean that's pretty good basically the overarching plot like these newspapers it's almost sort of like a proto truman show deal Ah, you took yes Um, exactly (laughs) <laughs> the newspapers are like, well, like, celebrity gossip, it's unreliable, so let's, like, take this young, dandyish person, make them famous, and then, like, screw with their lives so we can create this tabloid gossip narrative. And then eventually, like, Dorian Gray learns of this and gets his revenge, kind of, but there's also this opera that is sort of reflecting the events of the film that happen in the movie, kind of. That you occasionally visit, and there's this, he has like a journey through the underworld, which is arguably connected to the plot in some way. <laughs> that was where I thought I was losing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. That was my probably my favorite scenes of the movie, but I was like, what has this have to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the, that's the section of the film that's most like, yep, it's, it's an art movie. Uh, yeah, I only found out about this because I think like a German theater slash film archive early this year because theaters were closed. Mm. They kind of like opened up a lot of their archive for streaming online. So they put it there. I think it was also released on DVD at some point. It's it's kind of crazy how elusive it is on the internet. There's not that much information about it. There's not that much information. I mean, there's, you know, a cursory bit about her, but having watched this movie and seeing how much money goes into it and how much production value is in it, I was so I was surprised that there wasn't more information about it. I mean, there's like an entire blog spot about Vegas in space and there's <laughs> you know, there's nothing about this guy. But. I bet there's a German blog spot somewhere that we just can't read. <laughs> the actress who puts in the drag-ish performance, uh, the drag king performance as um, as Dorian Gray, uh, Vushka von Lendorf, was mostly a model, didn't have that mm. many roles. This is 
probably her biggest like acting role though she she was in blow up at the mm. beginning of her career mm. but um her father was a prussian count who was implicated in a plot to assassinate hitler so she went to like a gestapo <laughs> camp when she was three years old interesting life yeah wow oh, no <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I think it's a really good performance. Like I, it it wasn't until... saying that she drew on that on that experience <laughs> <laughs> for to use in her arts. <laughs> it wasn't until maybe thirty or sixty minutes into the movie, where I was like, you know, there's something about this main character. <laughs> Oh, you did. You watched it before on. we knew it was a a drag character. I watched it months ago, and then, oh, so that's why it finally occurred to me. But I thought one of the ways that the film fit into this drag genre, maybe even more so camp, but drag in some way, is that like okay, so you have a drag queen character, sure, but also the um, this director is known for her costuming, and so much of the costumes that are worn, I was like, I can see that on a drag queen, like the main doctor, the the woman. I guess she's a doctor, right? The, I think, yeah. I think she's called a doctor or something, but yeah, yeah. she runs yeah. the tabloid syndicate. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, the, like that outfit is like straight yeah, the out giant of, triangular like, shoulders, yeah. the telephone, the telephone yeah. dress. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> so good, <laughs> and just like the oh, drama she, of it all. <laughs> she gets a, a breakfast that's orange juice and pills and like broken glass and weird metal discs. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, Call that is train. the least least believable about <laughs> thing about this movie. That the American <laughs> breakfast. They're like, "What do you want? The continental or the American?" And she's like, "I'll have the American." So I'm thinking in my head, "Oh, she's gonna. They're gonna come up with like two eggs and a bunch of bacon and like a biscuit." Pancakes. And it's like yeah. it's just like a bunch of pills. And I was like, "Nah, lady. Like, you don't. We are gonna be eating dead pigs until we die. <laughs> like that. That is what Americans do." There was also my two the two favorite moments. My the funniest. Where I like audibly laughed because you're like sitting and watching this movie and you're like, oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And then all of a sudden you, something happens and you're like, what? Um, so I really enjoyed where Dorian Gray rolls up onto this co- compound where all the news people are and his chauffeur is a German Shepherd dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then also, also later into the film, there's a funeral and then there's these two joggers that are just like jogging through the cemetery that like are in the background. And then Dorian Gray murders everybody in a Corvette <laughs> in the funeral and the joggers just kind of like jog around and we're like, huh, interesting. And then keep jogging. And I was like, this is funny. This is funny. Yeah, in the in the sequence in the end part of the film where Dorian Gray is getting his revenge, he like murders everyone twice. Like, many yes. of the people who he runs over in his car at that funeral are just later alive again. <laughs> yeah, that's one part where it's just not clear what's happening at all. Well, he he murders them when they're all chickens. Yes. Yes. At the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sentence. As you do. <laughs> Agree. Uh, but yeah, the central, like, conspiratorial mirrored table where mm-hmm. they all gather around is a great great set even better when they're all chickens <laughs> yeah <laughs> sometimes they are and i guess also the dra- the opera scene felt like a drag show because they're all lip syncing and so they're like lip syncing to this music and i was like oh this is a drag performance yeah there was one i think she was wearing like the the yellow and black striped dress oh yes that was like I, I want that dress for myself. That, yeah. that was like, yes. <laughs> She's great. Yeah. Yeah, I also love the her, like, motorcycle uh, costume with the, like, it's, like, mostly gray with a red scarf and 
cap and gloves. It's oh, like a yeah. West German Devo outfit almost. His driving. <laughs> yeah. It, did, it yes. did look. That's exactly a ketchup bottle. Moses, how far did you get into it before you fell asleep? Yeah, I started this movie too late last night and then fell asleep near the end of the first opera scene. Because, you know, they start, they go to this opera. I was like, all right. And then the opera keeps going. I'm like, oh, is the rest of this movie going to be an opera? And then I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would totally recommend this movie, but I not wanna, yeah. in one setting. I would say if you're going to watch this movie, do like a three-parter. Like, break it up. Watch no, I disagree. Bit. Watch, Be stronger than me and watch it in one setting. <laughs> Throw your phone out the window. you got to look at the screen the whole time. Uh, and just tr- take a few operas to stay awake. That's all it takes. <laughs> Vegas style. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think it. I mean, it. I think it succeeds as sort of a ahead of its time, early '80s actual speculative fiction movie, and oh, yeah. as like a European art movie, and as just like a weird, quirky thing. It's just also yeah. long enough to be all three of those things separately. <laughs> it makes me want to watch more of her movies. Apparently, she's like this isn't the first time that she's taken historical fictional characters or historical characters and just co-opted their names and put them into movies oh yeah the i mean the villain is named frau dr mabuse which is a different villain from a different different work entirely we watched some drag competition shows i don't i'm pretty sure moses and ted you guys have never seen drag race or or dragula is that correct or i'd never seen any dragula i've seen a few episodes of drag race here and there just clips here and there i compiled a list of sci-fi adjacent episodes that drag race have done and i'll and i'll put that up on our website but we watched season three episode three queens in space which as i was watching it i realized oh this is a really good cast and i enjoyed re-watching the episode yeah season three is definitely one of my favorite seasons of the whole franchise and that that episode itself is like clearly uh, they're trying to like do what vegas and space like very oh. inspired absolutely i also really appreciated that lily tomlin was a guest judge now. she said like I no words <laughs> I, I loved just her lily tomlin that like she didn't change at all to be a drag judge no. um which like, took it seriously it was just like you get lily tomlin yeah it was lily tomlin tomlin and some actress that was on some battlestar galactica spinoff what was that show called caprica i don't even yeah, caprica. oh yes wow i didn't still didn't see it i'd probably watch it one day <laughs> I think I watched like one season of Battlestar Galactica. Oh yeah, I watched all those. You gotta watch it till the scene where Edward almost pukes on himself because that's just the pinnacle of science fiction television. <laughs> You're watching um, that like, well, this is the greatest science fiction show I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so gritty and real. <laughs> he does a great job though. He's a good actor. That guy uh, can really vomit on himself. <laughs> I do want to do a disclaimer to anybody that's never watched Drag Race and, like, is now wants to go watch Drag Race, is that season three is before RuPaul uh, changed her tune on using, like, really tired transgender terminology, um, because she was called out for it. So if you go into it thinking, like, I mean, just, you know, they say some words that probably shouldn't be said. Yeah, some phrases that were kind of really off off color. (laughs) Yeah. And I I forgot that 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 happened, that, like, people, like, called her out and, like, the whole tone of the later seasons changed because of that. Yeah. It's like, oh, it really threw me off guard when I was rewatching. Yeah, same. It was like the first thing I noticed and I was like, oh, wow. She like really, really changed. But she, it took her a long time to apologize for it. She was yeah. not happy to. But did she really like even fully apologize <laughs> for it? Like, 
<laughs> no, but but she stopped because she makes money off of the show. She stopped including it because yep. RuPaul <laughs> likes that money. <laughs> I didn't notice any of that in this episode specifically. I may not have just been paying attention. There's a true. there's a moment, and you can edit this out if you want. But like, there's a moment where like they have a message on the TV and she's like, oh, you got she-mail. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, but even the whole, the whole, um, the whole skit that they do is like, they they say like tranny and like hermaphrodite um, hermaphrodite and like, I'm your mom and your father. And yeah, it's just like stuff that wouldn't be right now on Drag Race. Yeah. Yeah, So I was missing it in the stream of bad puns which i noticed both in this in this and in the dragula episode they're making jokes that were also being made 35 years previously in vegas in space yes yeah <laughs> yes <same jokes. laughs> that's drag humor <laughs> like i don't i don't think it changes to be honest nope. unfortunately <laughs> i mean how many how many seasons it's like 12 seasons so far they, they just filmed their 13th yeah. yeah yeah so it's all the it's those are the same jokes i will say that like speaking of drag queens that do a different type of humor i think trixie and katya and their show uh is more like a gen z millennial sort of humor and less of like old tired puns situation yeah but the charm of drag is a lot of times those puns moses as a lover of puns you should be watching only drag shows all right i'll change i'll change my diet (laughs) especially especially the trixie and katya show yeah those they're great they're really good they're funny A lot of people probably know about Drag Race and may not be familiar with Dragula, but Dragula is like the, the spooky stepchild of of Drag Race. So the, <laughs> the Eddie Monster of Drag Race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Boulay brothers are show promoters. They have like a big competition that they do in LA that was this Dragula competition to find like, what is the term? Like the next monster or something? I can't remember. The world's next drag super monster yeah super monster <laughs> and they kind of just they they transitioned that into a show so i think it was like a youtube show first and then i think now it's on netflix yeah. but that one has horror is a big element of the entire show and then this show the one episode we watched in particular was season two episode four sci-fi babes which is a really good season because i really like i really like disasterina and i know she's she's contentious but i enjoy her as a drag <laughs> Her Queen. whole monologue during the runway was, was just amazing. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. so good. It cannot be repeated probably on this on this radio show, but I would check yeah. it out. Ted, what do you think? This is your first Dragula episode. Yeah, the horror aspect really comes through when they just make them eat like squid, still squirming squid legs at the end, which <laughs> just be like, oh, we're on uh, back in the fear factor. factor yeah, there's like a fear factor um, element to the show. There's always like a extermination at the end. I just generally don't have much interest in competition shows of any sort. But I have to say, like one of the one of the competitors in that episode, I think Dahlia like should be doing character design and makeup design for aliens in Hollywood movies. That drag crazy performance alien that she was made? criticized a lot, but the like the design is oh yeah, that's that's an alien. Like it's a very creative yeah. alien. Very recognizable without being just like stereotypical. I that was my favorite alien, for sure. Yeah. Are you talking and about the purple with the glowing 
Yeah, the pregnant yeah. belly. Yeah. The pregnant belly. Yeah. No, the one I'm thinking of is like more was more like a green and kind of uh, aqua. Oh, the purple yeah. the purple one was a good like somewhere between alien and um uh what are the uh Hellraiser? Uh, Wait, which one were you talking about? What which I thought you <laughs> the were talking Cenobites? about the Cenobites, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dolly was the she had the pregnant belly. Is that not no, the one Dolly was like the bluer, kind of like more aquatic esque. Oh yes, alien. you're right. Okay, yeah, that was yeah, really kind cool. of like a like a more glam uh, monster yeah, from yeah, the Black yeah. Lagoon. Yes, for sure. And then they have to like give birth to an alien on screen, which was quite a <laughs> quite an experience. I, I forgot about that part, and I was like, oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> I like that show. They are also, they had the very first, so like season three of that show has a drag king, Landon Donovan? Landon Sider. Landon Sider. Is Landon Donovan, Donovan is a, a soccer first? player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Olympic> soccer player. <laughs> Close. <laughs> anyway, she ends up winning the competition, which is not something that would ever happen on Drag Race. Different space. For too Oh no, not this lady again. Yep, that's right. It's Gaul, reminding you that if you've gotten this far into the episode and you're still wondering where all the music we talk about is, well, you're listening to a podcast. And so we had to edit it all out. But do not fret. Go to lastrefugepod.com and you'll find all the great ways that you can listen to the music that we talk about. And then you'll feel fulfilled and your life will be complete okay oh and there's a chicken in this episode a chicken man or a chicken woman the chicken didn't feel very sci-fi in itself though it it was sort of reminiscent of something in Vegas in space where there's this weird like Oh, drag. feathered ape creature that's called a drag and they yeah. talk yeah. about it like that women uh, descended from this this creature <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just another weird aside in a film full of them it also reminded me of what is it scott thompson's character does scott thompson play the chicken lady in uh, no that's mark uh Mark oh, McKinney yes, does it's, the chicken it's lady. Mark McKinney plays the chicken lady. Yeah, it, it really had some real chicken lady vibes. <laughs> Ooh, let's see, but can we talk about Scott Thompson in sci-fi? Come on, he showed up in a few cameos, I think. I think he's Did been he really? on Voyager. A couple That's of it, the- yes. Yeah, he I was, think at least... He wasn't, he, now, he wasn't playing Buddy Cole on Voyager, <laughs> This but- is ki- Kids in the Hall, for people that are wondering what we're talking about. <laughs> at least two Kids in the Hall uh, cast members have been on Star Trek. Oh, oh, I had to... Guys, I had to edit out the Farscape update because it was too long on last week's episode. Oh. Should we so just repeat just, it? Or just so you, no, I'm not going to repeat it. it. I'm just going to tell everybody now that I finished Farscape and I started watching Star Trek because... I've been broken by these two men, and now I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm We harassed Gaul and said she had to watch Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, especially that episode Far Beyond the Stars. Well, I haven't. So I'm. I'm still on the Next Generation. I'm literally Mm -hmm. finishing the first season of the Next Generation. But I'm told Deep Deep Space Nine is supposed to be good. Oh right, we're looking up Kids in the Hall on Star Trek. (laughs) I mean, that was a show where they were in drag half the time, or just playing women. Although it's not sci-fi. No. 
I don't remember any sci-fi stuff in Kids in the Hall. I remember just Bruce McCullough being a weirdo. He's so great. Should we start another podcast that's just about Kids in the Hall? <laughs> I think there are already a couple. There's probably. <laughs> All right, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just Scott Thompson who was on Star Trek. What did he play? Oh, the acting is so bad. Of the, in, I mean, not the main characters, but a lot of the like guests that are on Star Trek, you're like, who are these people? And <laughs> Yeah, the first up? season or two especially are pretty shaky. You can skip the clip episode also. There's a clip episode? Yeah, Riker's in a coma or something, and they uh-huh. just were clearly ran out of money and like, uh-oh, we still need to make one more episode this season. <laughs> <laughs> the whole cast is on record as admitting that. <laughs> so Scott Thompson on Voyager plays an alien ambassador who gets really drunk and makes a pass at Seven of Nine, the Borg. Yeah, I don't really remember that performance, but I'm sure he gave it his all. Oh, apparently Jordy LaForge was supposed to be a gay character, and Gene Roddenberry was like, no, no thank you. Yeah, let's just make him a creep instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's such a creep. He's like Poor the Jordy. biggest creep on the show. He what happened? does not oh, Wesley Crusher, creepy. like, what is he? Oh yeah, Wesley Crusher turns into a man in one of the episodes, and Jordy <laughs> oh, that turns hilarious. to him, and he's like... Nice. <laughs> what? Yes. It's yeah, that one's good. <laughs> Wait, Wesley so Crusher creepy. turns into a man? Or yeah, what? the Q comes up yes. and says, I'm going to give everyone their greatest wish. And you, the boy, wishes to grow up. How about I grow you up right now? Oh, Snap. Right. And he turns into like just a an catalog adult, an adult. model. Yeah, yeah. Like and he just Jordy looks like, like he's straight. Like you, you almost think Jordy's gonna like push his visor down to his <laughs> yeah. and be like, "Hubba, hubba!" <laughs> oh, no. uh, Levar Burton's so great. Mostly a nice boy. He just doesn't know how to date. Um. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> any final thoughts on 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 drag sci-fi? This this was a fun week, and I'm looking forward to next week too. Apparently, that film that Stevie sent for us to watch is. He was like, uh, I did not realize how pornographic it is, but it's supposed, supposed <laughs> oh, to be a- the movie that's the Fleshapoids? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be like oh. a huge influence on John Waters. Did you guys yeah, watch, did you watch that with Stevie yesterday? No, he was telling me yeah. about it though. I think we're going to watch it soon. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah, you've had you've had three people from the same house on the same, yes. house, the same podcast. <laughs> what a surprise! People that I know. <laughs> yeah. Really casting a wide net here. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, we don't have to describe the films we discuss in de- in graphic detail. So. Yes, that's right. true. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, thanks for being on our show. I hope you enjoyed watching these movies. I, did. I hope you have Thank a new so favorite much. movie now. <laughs> I mean, I watched Vegas in Space twice. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yeah, just like a final thought on that, actually. Like, I just feel like that movie is just like, that is quintessential drag. Because it's like just how they MacGyvered their whole apartment sets or this mm-hmm. their apartments into like this whole set and like it was very diy and i think that's like the best part of drag is just doing yeah. everything yourself now that everything's on zoom i see a lot of like drag queens from their apartments and i'm so impressed by all the amazing stuff that they do to their like crappy new york city apartments i think it's so impressive yes. no. yeah really really making do with what they got <laughs> yeah uh next week our, we have a return of a, a f- frequent guest our our film what's his name sar what's his <laughs> what's his title <laughs> resident film spurt no wait that can't be right cinematic oh my god ted just sent us a picture of scott thompson oh in- yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> listeners <laughs> what <laughs> it's beautiful <laughs> I'll put it on the website. The important thing is that 
Brendan is our resident cinema head. <laughs> cinema head. You don't like that one? <laughs> uh, LastRefugePod.com if you want to see a photo of Scott Thompson as an alien in uh, Deep, Deep Space Nine. Is that, is that the... No, no, no. Voyager. Voyager. Oh, Voyager. Oh, that's the newest one, right? That you don't like. No, that's the Scott. No, no, no. Voyager Ooh. was in like the oh. late 90s. How many do I have oh, to go God. through? How many am I preparing myself for? <laughs> I would Star Trek wise. I I think watch Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and uh, you can stop there unless you really okay. want. Yeah, you don't need to do Voyager and, or Enterprise, or but you know it depends on how f- bored you are. <laughs> <laughs> Moses, what's our email? You can email us at the last refuge of the incompetent at gmail.com and, and uh, if you don't know how to spell incompetent just google it come on <laughs> voicemails 805-253-3091 805-253-3091 and lastrefugepod.com that's where all our stuff is remember that uh, yeah. uh, okay I think that's it right time to yeah. put on a movie and have some sweet dreams incompetents <laughs> Thanks. Fiction.